0: I want to get into today's message. So today, A Promise a Child of Choice, part three, we're talking about choices, 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 right? We all make choices. Um, Some of us make good choices. Some of us. Um, Some of us make bad choices. Some of us make horribly catastrophic choices, right? But we all make choices. Your entire life can be narrowed down to a series of choices that go one from another. You know, have you ever you, you found someone and they're in a really difficult position, and you and you want to help them? Oh, you know, it's so it's so terrible that that you know uh, your, your kid went to bed hungry. People go, oh, it's terrible. How'd you how'd you let your kid go to bed hungry? Because they made the choice not to eat what was put in front of them. That's why they're hungry. You see, it's a choice, right? We we all make different choices, and those choices lead to choices, and those choices have consequences, and those consequences lead us to other choices. So. Make good choices. You know, it's, it's important that we make good choices. You know, every now and then you come across things. Uh, you know, you got a choice. Uh, some of you, in the, uh, maybe in the, the, in the morning, when your alarm goes off, you have a choice. You can get out of bed, or you can take the alarm and hurl it out the window and go back to sleep, right? Most of us aren't hurling our alarm out the window because it's our phone now, and it's far too expensive, uh, unless you have one of those old $3 Walmart alarm clocks that just, you can hear, like, five blocks away, uh, I used to have to put my alarm clock on the other side of the room to shut it off because I'd have to get out of bed to do it. Because I, I just getting out of bed is is difficult. Once I'm up, I'm up. But once getting out of bed, that's there's a long conversation that takes place in my mind. Is that alarm really loud enough? You know, I could probably sleep through that. You know, (laughs) Um, sometimes, you know, uh, I I heard this story from someone. I don't know who it was from, Um, but sometimes a husband might make the choice to allow his wife to borrow his truck to go to work that has the broken gas gauge, thinking that the truck has enough gas to get her to work. And then he also has to make another choice to either drive to bring her gas or get his father to bring her gas after a very angry conversation that it didn't actually happen, which leads to another choice involving flowers and dinner. (laughs) Right? I I heard it from someone. I'm not exactly sure who it was. may have been me a few years ago, but that's a whole different story. As much as our life is a series of choices, you know your faith is a series of choices. One choice right after another. It begins with the first choice, and that first choice is to follow Christ. And it is actually a choice. No one follows Christ by accident. You don't stumble into being a Christian. You don't wake up one day and go, I can't believe it. I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian uh, all, all along, didn't even know it. That's not what happens. Christianity is a conscious series of choices that you make in your life to follow Christ or not follow Christ. When you make that choice to follow Christ, when you make that choice to put your foot on the path of God, it sets you into a series of choices that are going to be placed in front of you to follow Christ or not follow Christ that most of the time the world simply doesn't understand. Like they don't get why you would do that. They might even think very poorly of you because you make the choice to live your faith out consistently according to the foundation of our faith, which is the word of God. It happens. I've heard several recent news articles or news stories about the main problem in the United States being and now you've you got to listen to this, because when I first heard it come out of the person's mouth, I had to stop for a second to really wonder if they were listening to themselves, and someone proofread this in the teleprompter. Their problem is that conservative Christians are not acting like Christians because they're too concerned with their Bibles. So Christians aren't acting like Christians because they're too concerned. Actually, it was too concerned with taking their Bible seriously. How how, how do you you rationalize? I mean, what what am I so concerned about living the Bible consistently that I'm not living the Bible consistently? How do you even rationalize that thinking? But this is where the national dialogue is going in regards to Christianity. See, people who actually take their faith seriously, who choose to live out a consistent faith based on the Word of God, are actually being marginalized and maligned, even criminalized now in some parts of the world, for following in the footsteps of Christ. We shouldn't be surprised. God told us it was going to happen. But what they really mean is that they want us to compromise our faith, the standards of our faith, the foundations of our faith with whatever modern moral relativists decide is right for today. see, Just because something was wrong 20 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago doesn't mean that it's wrong today, right? See, we've grown, we've educated ourselves, we've become more than we were so we don't have to attach ourselves to that archaic doctrine that has been the same since the beginning of time. They want us to change who we are in accordance to our faith to line up with their beliefs. And the question is whether or not we're going to do it. So you have to make a choice. So this is a series of choices. Do we believe the word of God or do we believe the word of man? Well, the good thing is we know that this life isn't the end anyway. This life is just the beginning. It's the doorway to the next. See, the journey of our faith, that first initial choice, that first choice... Believe it or not, for most people, the first choice you make in coming to a place of faith is not whether or not you want to believe Jesus. There's a lot of religions out there. Most people aren't worried about believing in Jesus because they may not even know it. Most of the time, the first choice that people make is whether or not this life is it. If there's more after this. See, this is called a worldview argument. And there's only two worldviews when it comes to this. Either there's something afterwards or there's nothing. There's really not in between. There's no like, maybe there's something after. There either is or there isn't. And when you're talking about a worldview argument, the world, your worldview is the foundation of your thinking. It's like a set of mental glasses. Like glasses are corrective lenses. When you put them on, like you guys are really blurry right now. I can tell there's some people here. That's about it. Oh, look, now I can see. See, when I put on my glasses, the world around me becomes clear and your worldview is very much the same. When you you set your worldview up, it is going to color the rest of the world around you and it's going to shape the way you think because the foundation of your worldview is going to be consistent with your thinking, whether you know it or not. It's just a natural process in our minds. Now, a, a worldview is based off of four basic questions. Some of you have seen this before. Some of you may not. The four basic questions of a worldview are this. How did I get here? It's a question of origins. Does life have a purpose? It's the question of meaning. How do I know the difference between right and wrong? That's the question of morality. And what happens when I die? It's the question of destiny. Now, I'm not going to get into this I'll do a teaching on this later in the year because we're going to be talking about Genesis and creation uh, at the early part of this year anyway. um, But when you start looking at this, the very first question sets you up for all the rest of them. Now, you think about this. How did I get here? There's only two options, either on purpose or by accident. Those are the only two options that you have. You were either here because of the purposeful, intentional creation of a mind uh, or a creator. I refer to it as, I refer to him as God, because that's what the Bible says. We were created, we were spoken to existence, or you are the result of a chemical accident. You are a cars, You are cosmic pond scum. That's it. Now here's the thing: if, I'm, if I got here by accident, then nothing else matters. Does my life have purpose? No. <laughs> What's the difference between right and wrong? Whatever I want, whatever I can get away with. And what happens when I die? I came from nothing, I go back to nothing. You see how that follows logically? Now flip that around. If I'm the product of intent, if I was designed and created on purpose, then my creator has a reason for me. You do have a purpose, and life becomes a series of choices to find that purpose. Right and wrong become, they're not something that I figure out for myself. They're something I learn from the one who created me. And what happens when I die? Well, I came from him. I go back. Death is just the doorway to the next step in the journey. You see, everything changes when you begin to understand the choice. Now, the question is, are you living your life consistently in relationship to that choice? Sometimes we are, sometimes we're not. If I choose to embrace the idea from nothing to nothing, then anything goes. Survival of the fittest, fittest, eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And if I choose to embrace divine intent, then the focus of my life is toward knowing and understanding the character and nature of the one who gave me life, because if he made me, then I am his. That's the role of a Christian. That's the role of our relationship with the Lord. So your first choice is simple. Do you believe that that's all there is? Does your life line up with that belief? Most atheists that I've spoken to in my life say, I don't want to believe in God. I don't want to believe in any afterlife. But if there is a God in a heaven, I'm a good person, so I'll probably go there anyway. <laughs> really? What makes you think that you have, you have been so good that God is like, man, he didn't believe me, spoke against me his whole life, but what an amazing person. i got to have this person in my kingdom. Just got to. It's not the way that works. Without God, we don't even know the difference between right and wrong. And I think about this, during World War II, it was legal. It was on the books legal to kill Jews because they weren't people. They were determined legally not to be human, so it was okay to get rid of them. Get rid of spare cats, get, get rid of spare, spare Jews, no big deal. They were human anyway. It was perfectly legal. They had decided that it was right, even though it was wrong. See, we don't even know we don't have a clear delineation between what is good and what is bad, other than what we think at the moment. You might think because you're in need, stealing is fine. Well, God will understand. I'm hungry. Well, let's back that up. Why are you hungry? Are you out of work? Yes. You, why are you out of work? Well, I got fired. Well, how'd you get fired? Well, I was I was mouthy to my boss. Okay, let's let's backtrack. You had a job. You made a choice not to do your job well. You made a choice to speak poorly to your boss. Your boss made a choice to let you go and bring someone on who might be a little bit, I don't know, more happy to be there and be an employee. And now that choices have led you to the consequences of you're hungry. That doesn't make stealing right because you're hungry. You know what makes it right? Get your thinking right. Make better decisions. Ask people for help. That's what makes it right. You see the difference? Our circumstances don't determine right or wrong. God determines right and wrong. Hmm. So the second choice we have to make is, where is our accountability? If it's to you and your own desires, then it really doesn't make any difference, does it? If you're the only person you're accountable to, then, hey, go for it, man. That's a choice that you make. Or you make the choice to be accountable to a higher power. This follows naturally from the first question. If you believe you're the product of intent, then you already know where your authority comes from, don't, don't you? You already know what you're accountable to, the one who created you. If you came from nothing, what are you accountable to? Nothing. Kind of People say, oh, it's so freeing. Boy, once I gave up God, it was so free. Was it? Was it? I've lived that atheist life. Trust me, not freeing. Not freeing at all. I'll choose Jesus every single time. If my accountability is to God, to my creator, then I know what's, what's good and what's, what's bad because God has told me. He left us, left us this really cool collection of books. It's been compiled into this thing we call the Bible. And we can learn all about the character and nature of God. We can learn about his likes and dislikes. We can learn what, uh, what causes him to be happy and what causes him to not be happy. We can learn what it takes to get to heaven, and we can learn what it takes to keep us out of heaven. It's all here, every bit of it. There's no mystery between our relationship with God. There's no mystery other than our own ignorance, not actually using the source that's been given to us. So we know what God's standards are. And if you're wondering, am I right with God without Christ? The answer is no. (laughs) It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how what, people who are outside of Christ—whether they're your grandparents, your parents, your brothers, your nephews, your sisters, your cousins—doesn't make any difference. Now, God's not calling your grandmother an axe murderer. That's not what I'm talking about. Of course, my grandparents are in heaven. They were nice people. It's got nothing to do with it. it. Has nothing to do with it. Good and bad are not. You are never good enough. It doesn't matter how sweet someone is. They're never good enough without Christ. Let me show you something. In Genesis chapter three, verses six through thirteen, says this: So the woman was talking about Adam and Eve. Says so the woman saw that the tree was and listen to the language here. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. So she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave her husband some to her husband who was there, and he ate. Some people think that she like was with the serpent by herself. And then she had to take the fruit and run and find Adam. No, he was right there watching the whole thing. Didn't do anything. So then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. Whoops. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And then they, listen to this. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. This is one of the most powerful verses in in the Old Testament, I think. Then the Lord God called to Abraham and said, or to Adam and said, where are you? Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And then he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I had commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, it was her fault. Lord, this woman you gave me. Then the Lord said to the woman, what did did you do? And the woman said, it was that serpent that you created. It's the first example of passing the buck. Part of me always wonders what would have happened if they had come clean right then. See, man, God has said, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the funny thing is, they would have gotten all the knowledge of good and evil just through experience if they had waited. Time teaches you these things, but they wanted it now. They believed that God was hiding something from them, so they made a conscious choice to ignore the word of God. It wasn't a conscious choice to eat the fruit. It was a conscious choice to ignore the word of God. That was the choice. So let me ask you something. Is it possible for God to lose a game of hide-and-seek? You're like, Adam, Adam, where are you? No. See, God knew exactly where he was, and he knew exactly what had happened. He wasn't calling him to try to figure out what happened. He was calling them for a different reason. The issue that was created was really simple. They did what God said not to do. Check this out. This is the first one. I, I, I'm purposely giving you this backwards. This is Genesis 1, 3, 1 through 5. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field and the Lord God, that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said? And listen, listen to that quote. Has God indeed said? Does God's word really say this? That's the temptation of the enemy. That's the temptation that caused man to fall. It's the same temptation that we deal with today? Is this really what God's word says? Does he really say that you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, now listen, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, she knew. She knew she answered the question. Yes, this is what God said. This is what God's word says. And the serpent said to the woman, God's lying to you. God's trying to keep something good from you. God's trying to keep the best part of creation for himself. For God knows that the day of you, you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. First temptation that man falls underneath is to let go of the word of God because we can be like him. Both are lies. We can't let go of the word of God, and we'll never be like him. We are not capable of being like him. Before they even took the first bite, they knew what they were doing. But what they didn't understand is the ramifications of the choice, of the choice. The ramifications of the choice is they broke the world. The ramifications of that choice was they they literally broke the world. They took a relationship between man and God, a spiritual relationship. They let sin come in between them, and they broke the bond between between creator and creation, and they broke the world. They allowed sin entrance into God's perfect creation. When God was done with creation, how did he describe it? Very good. Very good. There's only one part of creation. I thought this was really interesting. There's only one thing in creation that God said was not good, and that was man being unsupervised. Oh, I'm sorry, man being alone. <laughs> it's the only thing God said was not good. point does that still ring true today. There's nothing worse than a bored man with tools. <laughs> you know, this is the way that's horrible. So God did the only thing he could. He gave us probably the best part of our lives. I love the old joke. It's like when God created woman, he sat down and he said, you know, I'm going to make for you a helper. He's going to be big. He's going to be strong. He's not going to be that smart, but he's going to be big and strong. He's going to provide. He's going to do a lot of things. He's going to be amazing. He's going to be the other half of you. And she said, Lord, I, I, I want this. This is great. And He says, yeah, there's a catch. What's the catch, Lord? He's going to want to think he was created first. Okay. So moving right along. Um, <laughs> So, that one sinful choice opened the door to all that is wrong with the world today. That's a choice, isn't it? See, choices have consequences, and sometimes the the consequences of your choices don't just affect you. Sometimes the consequences of your choices affect everyone around you. The choice was to follow human reasoning and to ignore the Word of God. So remember, there's things that we think feel good. We, there's things that we think are right. There are things that we have reasoned out in our mind, like we've made a deal with God. Anyone ever had that conversation? I know what the Bible says, that I shouldn't live with my future spouse, and we shouldn't have sex before marriage, but I have prayed about it, and I have a good feeling me and God have an understanding. What? I know God says that to obey the law of the land, but I have a really fast car, and I live a long way away from work. I've prayed about it. I have a good feeling. Me and God have an understanding. I just keep it under three digits. I know God says that I should pray, but I'm very busy, and I'm not very good at it, so I listen to other people. Me and God have an understanding. God, You and God do have an understanding. You're a scoundrel, and God knows it. That's the understanding. But check this out. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it, it is the way of death. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it's not right. See, when Eve was being tempted, she knew the truth. She heard it from the mouth of God himself. They both made the choice. Both Adam and Eve made the choice to ignore the word of God, to ignore the authority of God. And that same choice is in front of us Every day, every single day, probably in every hour of the day. Do I tell the truth? Do I follow the speed limits? Do I follow the law? Am I honest? Am I treating my wife the way God says that I should? Are you treating your husband the way God says you should? Are you seeking God the way you should? What are the choices that you're making? Is God your authority or are you the authority? You see, if you came from nothing and you're going back to nothing, then that decision is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. But if you're the product of the intent, you're the purposeful product of a loving creator, which I believe we are, then that question is everything. It is everything. We have to learn to trust God in what we see and what we understand. But we also need to learn to trust God, especially when we can't see it and we don't understand. When you're in a situation, you can't see God in that situation. I was, having this, I was listening to someone talk about just this the other day. They, couldn't, they can't see God in a situation. Does that mean he's not there? No. It means we are in a place where we can't see it. See, God is always there, but you're not always in a place where you can see him in it. That's an issue with us, not an issue with him. And sometimes God is doing something behind the scenes that we don't don't understand now and we'll never understand. Listen to this in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts more than your thoughts. We couldn't understand him if we tried. If you could see from the beginning of time to the end of time, and you knew, if you could actually see what one decision would make and how it would ripple through time, you'd make different decisions, wouldn't you? If you saw the long-standing effect of that choice, boy, you would make different choices. And sometimes the choice, if you think about this from God's perspective, sometimes the choice to heal someone is the wrong choice because of where it will take them. Sometimes God doesn't heal us for a reason because that injury, whatever it is, it keeps us in a place where he needs us to be. You see, we can't see that, but we want to submit ourselves to his will as long as his will matches ours, but that's not the way it works. We choose to follow and believe and trust in God even when we don't see and even when we don't understand. Throughout the Old Testament, God gave us a promise to restore mankind to himself. He made a choice to redeem mankind from our own, our own sin, our own fall. Through the Old Testament, through the law, through the prophets, he told us how. He told us where. He told us that the virgin would conceive. He told us that the baby would be born in Bethlehem. He even gave us that 483-year uh, year time frame to let us know when the baby was going to arrive. And then the baby shows up exactly on schedule exactly where and exactly in the situation that the God's word told us it would happen. Yet still today, there's people who don't believe it. There's people in pulpits today who will tell you the virgin birth wasn't true, that it was probably just made up by the disciples to give Jesus street credibility. Andy Stanley is actually one of the people who, who says that. He doubts the virgin birth. Drives me nuts, but that's, old, that's a whole a whole other conversation. Now, I want to read you a section of Scripture. We're going to come into the end of today. Uh, I want to read you a section of Scripture that's a little longer than I would normally read. But I want to read it on purpose, and I want you to pay attention to the conditional language that's in this section of Scripture. The number of choices that God presents to us that maybe you didn't see when you read this. I'm sure most of you have read this. Maybe you didn't see it, but I want to show you the choice that we we deal with on a regular basis and how powerful that choice is. This is John chapter three. And what I've done is I've I've highlighted, bolded and underlined or or bolded, underlined and italicized all of the conditional language in this section of scripture. I want you to see how many choices you have in front of you. These choices are not where Jesus is going to make a choice. These choices are where Jesus has already made the choice. Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn. Says there was a man of the the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the things that you do unless God is with him. He's so sure of it, he's meeting Jesus in the middle of the night so he doesn't get in trouble. Then Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, natural birth, and of the spirit, spiritual rebirth, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is anyone anyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus said to him, are you a teacher of Israel, and you don't understand these? You claim to be a teacher, and you don't understand the most basic tenet of why I'm here? That's what Jesus is saying. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen And you do not receive our witness. If I've told you of earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended uh, to heaven but he who came down from heaven. That is the son of man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up so that whoever believes in him See how much conditional language is in there? How many times do you have the option to believe or not believe? How many times does Jesus say, I'm not here to save the world. I'm here that the world might be saved. There's a lot of people out there preaching now that because Jesus came and died on the cross, everyone's sins are forgiven for all time. Just live your life. Don't worry about it. It's taken care of. What a bunch of nonsense. What a bunch of nonsense. Try that line on a cop when he's pulled you over for doing 110 miles an hour through a school zone my sins are forget what 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 are the shiny bracelets for officer no that same word of God says work out your salvation with fear and trembling because God's not kidding this is the word by which we will be judged when we stand before him at the end of time when we leave this world and go to the next there's only one thing waiting for us and that's Jesus and you're either going to know him or you don't there's no middle ground that's the choice We go back to the same choice. Do you believe that this world is all there is? If you do, then you've made your choice. Do you believe there's something waiting for you after this? That's a different choice. That means you need to prepare yourself for that step, for that journey. There is a process going on here, and God has worked that process out for us. And it's as simple as you could imagine. Believe in me. Believe in the one that I have sent. And what does Jesus say to all his disciples? Follow me. So that means we read this thing. We learn about the character and nature of God. We learn about what it takes to become a Christian. We follow through with this. And then we do our best to live our life in the footsteps of Christ according to the teachings of Christ laid out in God's word. Period. Whether the world likes it or not. Chances are they're not. Actually, it's pretty... pretty. Simple. They're not. They're not going to like it. But that's where faith comes in, folks. Check out Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The things that really matter are the things you can't see, things you can't touch, things you can't smell. It's where faith comes in. And by walking in faith, we obtain a good testimony. But it's a choice. We know that God gave us a promise. We talked about that two weeks ago. We know that that promise was a child and that child came. We talked about that last week. And now we know that there's a choice in front of us, and the choice is really simple believe, don't believe. There is no middle ground. You will never be able to be right with God without the, the, the process that he sent for you. There is only one road. There was only one path. There was only one gate. There was only one Savior. There was only one salvation. So I'm saved by grace through faith in Christ, period. The reformers used to say, I'm saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone, according to scripture, alone, period. That's it. I find that to be very refreshing that I don't need to go chasing after a life. God has already done all the work for me. All I have to do is make the choice to believe him when I get up, to make the choice to believe him when I'm presented with the option to either go with him or not go with him, to follow the world or follow him. These are my choices. These are your choices. And as we move forward in this year, we can see already that our government, our nation, our legal system is going to start challenging those choices. So I want you to think really hard about what you're doing with your life, which direction you're moving in, and who do you serve? We should serve the Lord and the Lord only. I got a bunch more I could do, but I'm going to jump out now because I care about you guys. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the simple truth you are faithful you have given us everything we could possibly ever need or want to believe you to trust you to follow you father give us the courage to step out of the influence of this world and to step into your heart to step into your influence, to step underneath the umbrella of your authority. Help us to make the choice to trust you in everything that we do. Help us make the choice to follow you joyfully, no matter what's going on in our life. Thank you for your word. I thank you for your purposes. I thank you for your call in this church and these people. In Jesus' name, amen.